What's happening, everybody? On today's show, our buddy Chris Marler joins the show. What did we learn in SEC Week 1? Is the SEC overrated? Is that a thing? And we're going to preview SEC uh, Week 2, the slate headlined by Texas at Alabama. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use our code Locked On College. That'll get you twenty dollars off your first purchase. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. And the guy wearing a Masters hat joining us now, our buddy Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored podcast. Marler, how the hell are you? Okay, good start for me. Glad I interrupted you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I was just saying it's a Saturday Football Uncensored podcast. Now we we rebranded, and I should have just let it slide, but I didn't. Uh, just like I'm not going to let slide what happened on Sunday night, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to get into it. I I, I kind of wanted to start here, just kind of ask you, what did we learn in SEC Week One? What were your overall takeaways? So the quarterback play is is like better than I think we thought it was going to be. I think there's a question marks all over the field. There's some slow starts. Devin Leary, I think, was was a guy that I thought was going to be a top three quarterback in the league. He had a really bad first weekend for the most part, or just kind of very inconsistent. Um, takeaways right off the bat, Bama may be better than people thought. It's very – it's this is just week one, right? Jalen Milrow, though, being able to throw the football, God, you never have a picture that doesn't make me laugh. That looks like – it looks like that picture Big Game Boomer posted of him throwing a football, which is not great. Um, so, so you know, there was a slow start in Athens with UGA. I don't think – like, the, the truth is always somewhere in the middle, right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't think it's anything that's going to be that massive of a of – a, um, they're not going to fall off the face of the earth, right? Like, even with Mike Bobo and, and them kind of struggling early. What I was impressed by, uh, maybe the most out of, like, some of the teams that we, we didn't necessarily talk about early, was Tennessee's front seven. And how good they look getting after the quarterback and against the run. Um, we talked about Joe Milton all offseason. I thought that, that defensive front seven was really good. And then I tell you what, A and M man, like it, Bobby Petrino. Like I understand it's game one, but let's not let's not like sugarcoat it. That's a team that averaged I think twenty three points per game last year. Like they were awful on offense, and they struggled a ton. Nice again, great picture, <laughs> but but they they had like that's a that's an offense that struggled a ton with with teams that really weren't good. I mean, that was like a 17 nothing at the half against like Sam Houston State last year to start the year. Yeah. Um, to see them come out and be on fire early and those receivers, I thought that was really, really impressive. Ole Miss and Jackson Dart kind of, you know, the 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 comments are like the, the pub has been all about Quinshot Judkins all offseason. Good to see Jackson Dart get out to a good start. Um, I Tra- Trey Harris. Forgot, I mean, this kid from Louisiana Tech comes in and with four touchdowns is incredible. Yeah, he was he was awesome, and like it, it was cool to see. Like, like listen, it's Mercer, but Mercer's like a ranked FCS opponent at least. So even if it's FCS, like they're not as bad as everyone thinks. Maybe I don't know, but they put up seventy three points. I thought it was good to see. And then, like you said, like like in the in kind of the tease at the beginning, um, you know, is the SEC overrated? There was some they they fell on their face on the national stage, and that's not something we're necessarily used to seeing the SEC do. Um, you know, two of those three games that they lose that they played they. 
SEC teams played four, only four teams played a power five opponent. Um, they went one and three. And, you know, they weren't favored to the three losses by any means, but like, you know, it wasn't like they were massive underdogs and they, and they all kind of got embarrassed. So I thought, I thought it was a good, good on the whole. And I think it'll be fine as the season goes on, but that some of the bigger marquee games did not look good. Yeah. And here's what I'll say for the three teams that lost Florida, South Carolina, and LSU. Um, those weren't bad losses in that, like you didn't lose to somebody that, you know, we went, oh, my God, you have no business losing to him. Like, Florida was an underdog to Utah. Utah's a pretty damn good team. Now, granted, we could get into the whole Cameron Rising didn't play, but that third-string quarterback, fourth-string quarterback, whatever, those guys look pretty good, too. So, like, I don't know, just eye test. Utah looked pretty damn good. North yeah. Carolina, I mean, my biggest concern for South Carolina all offseason, I said, was O-line, nine sacks. I mean, I didn't think they were that bad, but no surprise there. And turns out FSU might be pretty damn good. They beat LSU. So, like, it, yes, those three teams lose. Three SEC teams right. taking L in week one, but it's not like they lost to Appalachian State looking at UAM a year ago. Like, those were three really good teams that got Ws. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. And I think there's also, like, it's like – the easy thing to do is pile on the SEC because it's a, a conference that, you know, like the fans love to beat their chests on it. And, and anytime you you have an SEC team that loses on a stage like that, you see it all the time in bowl season, the SEC chant that's mocking them is going to come out in full force. But Florida State is legit. They're a legit national title contender with weapons everywhere. Um, North Carolina, I hate to say this. I hate to say this. But, like, uh, Drake May, I didn't realize he was that good. Yeah, like I knew I knew he was good. I didn't realize he was that good. And then the other part is our, our buddy Gene Chizik, you know, just Undertaker meme rising from the ashes in a defense that was awful last year coming in. And have, I mean, they had nine sacks. And I, I love what you said about the South Carolina thing with the OL, too, is I remember saying this before last season. The biggest difference for Spencer Rattler was going to be when he was at Oklahoma going into last season. He played on a team that had 11 offensive linemen that were ranked four stars or better. Uh, at the position, right? 11 total offensive linemen that, that were four-star or higher recruits at Oklahoma. When he got to South Carolina, there was one. And that is not something that, like, is, I think, to be taken lightly because the offensive line play was was awful. North Carolina had nine sacks. They had 17 total last year. They got they got more than half that in game one. That's crazy. And and here's the thing, Marler. Those three teams that all took losses, uh, they're my three biggest concerns with them coming in. With LSU, it was their defensive backs. Yep. They didn't look great. With South Carolina's the O-line, did not look great. With Florida, their weakness, my opinion, was Graham Mertz, and he looked like crap. So, you know, it's like those three weaknesses all got exposed. So now I turn the page and look at the SEC teams that all had cupcakes week one. Mm-hmm. Will those concern? So like Alabama, my concern was quarterback. Jalen Miller looked great against Middle Tennessee. But, you know what I mean? Like as they step up in competition, will those concerns we had in the offseason – start to, I don't want to say be exposed, but, like, we start to go, oh, duh, like, those were concerns coming into the season. I, I thought Grant Merce didn't look that bad at all. I, I didn't. Like, I, like you could say whatever you want, like, because we, we all dogged him, and, and there was times where he didn't look that great. He had a lot of drops. He had no run game. He had no run game at all. And he was going up against a, a team that had just won back-to-back Pac-12 championships. Like, Utah's built, like, an SEC team from the inside out. Like, they're they're a good football team. Um, the Bama stuff, I think – as like somebody that obviously has ties there and is like, you know, hopes they win every game they play. Um, the quarterback situation was awesome. It was great to see. I think everyone, that was like the thing we heard all off season. Um, what, what I think as a fan should excite you most, if you're, if you're looking at Alabama 
is two things. One, um, they had, I think they were 10 of 13 on third down. They were 77% conversion on third down. Uh, now, maybe you don't want to be in 13 different third down situations against Middle Tennessee State, but they were 10 of 13 for 77%, which is the third highest single game percentage they've ever had in the last 10 years and higher than any game in the Bill O'Brien era. And the other thing was something that plagued them, especially on the road last year, um, was penalties. They had two penalties for 19 yards, the fewest amount of penalties they've had in 50 in their last 50 total games. So that kind of stuff, the coaching and execution stuff that we, we've kind of seen fall off a little bit at Bama the last couple of years, I felt like was bad. Yeah, the other takeaway of, of week one, you kind of hinted at it, was was slow starts, right? Like we saw yeah. Georgia, like Georgia's up 17 nothing to have people like, what's wrong with Georgia? Uh, Tennessee was slow. Uh, middle, yeah. Mississippi State, they were close to Southeastern for a while. They finally, you know, woke up. Um, you know, Kentucky kept giving Ball State opportunities. That was weird. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it was slow starts. Vandy struggles with Alabama A&M like what are we doing Vanderbilt like I thought we yeah. were back so you know it was kind of this weird I know it was it was cupcake week across the SEC but like just kind of some slow starts people working out kinks yeah and a lot of new court like you know like across the country a lot of new coordinators you saw it with, with the Clemson last night you saw it with Ohio State some of these national powers that we just kind of we just always assumed that like that what we think in the offseason is, is what we're going to see on the field. Like we're, we're just constantly, I don't know if it's like human nature or what, but we're looking for confirmation bias of what we think is going to happen. And then we're shocked when it doesn't like, like, like we, like we weren't Nostradamus or whatever. Right. Um, I think that the thing with, uh, with Georgia, especially, I think they're going to be fine. It's odd that they struggle with UT Martin because it's UT Martin. Right. At the same time, like it, it was kind of funny to watch because we heard from that fan base all off season. They're not going to miss a beat. Carson Beck's better than Setson. He's been in the program for four years or three years going into this year before. And, and Bobo was on staff last year. They weren't going to miss a beat. Well, there's a reason why you fired. You wanted Bobo gone less than a decade ago. There's a reason why he wasn't at South Carolina still or Auburn or even Colorado State. So there's going to be some growing pains across all, all teams in the SEC. But I think, you know, for the most part, like, it's week one, and that's what you expect. Like, the teams we see in week one, you don't want to be – firing on all cylinders and executing because like you want to be doing that in November and getting better as a team. Yeah, and the tough part for Georgia will be, you know, with that schedule being as weak as it is, what's the what's the motivation week in and week yeah. out to get up to, you know, you're playing nobody. Like, you know, it's it's hard to get up for uh, weak opponents week in and week out, but we shall see. All right, one more before we turn the page on what we learned in week one. Um, look, LSU I thought looked pretty good in the first half. Mm-hmm. Like the numbers, they dominated – but they also had two big missed opportunities in the red zone where they came away with zero points. It, it was a world where it felt like that could come back to bite them. And in the second half, it completely flipped. Florida State dominated much of that second half and started to run away with it. But uh, this is just me. I feel like if they played that game again tomorrow, LSU puts up a much better fight. What did you see for, from LSU? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, yeah, maybe they put up a better fight. I mean, they got dominated, man. Like, like, like. I understand the. Did they know the stats? The stats say different. You're saying just the scoreboard, but if they're if they're equal across the board and rushing, like, here's the difference in the tail. Eight yards rushing in the second half. Here's the difference in the tail, though, Marler, of of the storylines. LSU was three for ten on third downs. Florida State was like nine of fourteen. LSU zero for three on fourth downs. Florida State. So like all of LSU's big moments, they failed to capture the moment. Like third down. You know, third and six at midfield, and it's a tied game. Uh, Jay Daniels hits Kyron Lacey in the hands. He drops the pass. Right. You punt, touchdown going the other way. There was just those moments where 
that's not indicative of LSU being bad. They just didn't no, no. capitalize. You know what I mean? They're not bad. They're not bad by any means. But like, think about the other way too, man. Because this is kind of how the game went last year with LSU Florida State, where it's like you look at the end and it's close, and, and like, oh, they should have won this game. How many drops did Florida State have? LSU only had three drops all night. But here's Florida the key: State. Florida State's came on like first and second downs, and they could correct. LSU's happened on like almost every third down, and it was like. You're punting. Like, you drop a ball first down, you live to fight another day. The offense keeps going. You drop it on third down, you're punting. Again, I'm not uh-huh. defending LSU. I'm just saying, like, literally, they picked the worst moments of this game to suck. Right before the third quarter, it's a one-score game. They're driving. Uh, Brian Thomas, wide open down the field. Big bomb. He just drops it. The next play, the quarter flips over, start of the fourth. A hitch yeah. route to Malik Neighbors. He slips and falls. The ball's already coming out. Boom, it's an interception. Touchdown going the other way, it's it's game over. I'm just saying, like, they literally picked the worst moments to suck. I think if yeah. they kick that thing off tomorrow, LSU, you know, look, don't fumble on a kickoff, like on a punt return, which they did all last year. Like, little stupid mistakes that they just, it cost them. And by the way, I was there in the stadium. Yeah. That was about a 70-30 Florida State fan yeah, base there. Like, that was a home game. It got loud in that second half. Well, so, but here's the thing, too, is, like, all the things you're saying, and this is why – I hate, I'm not trying to be negative. LSU can still play for a national championship, and they're still a good team. But, like, those are all the things that championship teams don't do. And and we heard all offseason about LSU that, like, this team is going to compete for championships. They're ready. I, I wasn't – I was, like, pretty – it was a – I guess, like, if you're bull and bear, is a bear the one where you're, like – I wasn't sold on it. Well, I, can't, I don't know stock market <laughs> stuff. Um, but, like, like I wasn't sold on it at all. And, and like, they do, they have shown in the past they have not had the ability to stack seasons. And, and, like, I see – I get what you're saying. Like, but you bring up third downs. They only had one third down conversion in the second half. Even if you flip the other side of the ball, they gave up five straight scoring drives in the second half. Like, they couldn't stop the bleeding at all. Right. And if you really I – mean, like, like, sure, they, they, they could have been up 28-7 theoretically in the first half of this game. But you don't convert on fourth because you don't have a running back that can go get you yards. And you look at the run game, Jaden – take away Jaden Daniels – and one 35-yard rush, you had 12 rushes for a total – or, sorry, 11 rushes for 14 total yards with three oh, other yeah. running backs. It was a problem. And, like, and the defense couldn't stop anybody. So, like, And, they, dude, they got aided from – they didn't have a single penalty in the first half. Florida State had, like, three 15-yard penalties. Like, it, that – And that's where I, I say they should have been – it should have been 28-14 at the half. And if it's that, right. I think the second half plays out different. Mm-hmm. But – and, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to come across as I'm making excuses for LSU. They played terribly. They deserve to lose – I just think we're burying LSU too much where it's like that still is a good team. Florida State may run the table and be one of the best yeah. teams in the country. So, again, like we need to keep it in perspective. But I saw people saying Brian Kelly's not cut out for this job. Like, That's crazy. Come on, man. Like That's he beat he beat Nick Saban in year one. Like let's stop back like he's done nothing there, you know? Right. And I think it's one of those things too where it's like you kind of have – this is this is the perfect example of like, you know, people say like two things can be true at the same time. Like, like two, three, four things can be true at the same time here because like – LSU played a horrible game. They still have everything in front of them. They could play great. But FSU, you, like, this is – you cannot take away how good that team was. And and that's a veteran team. I brought it up last week on here. 18 of the 22 starters are, are redshirt juniors or older. It's four years in a program or in four years in college. Like, those are grown-ass men, man. Like, but those guys, they executed well in the second half when they had to, and they put it on them. And, like, you, you, you cannot, like – I think it's much more – Florida State giving them their flowers and how great they did versus like, oh, LSU's terrible. Like that's I hate when we do that. Yeah. All right. More with Chris Marler in just a sec. 
First, I want to remind you guys this episode is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. Look, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager. For your small business, you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to go check out LinkedIn Jobs. They're going to help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You just go to their website, you add your job posting, you add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. That's going to spread the word that you're hiring. They got simple tools like screening questions, make it easy for you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview it and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helping you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Go post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, continue on our conversation with our buddy Chris Marler. Real quick, want to remind you guys, college football season is here, and you need to be checking out our Locked on College Football kickoff live every Friday. We go live 11 a.m. to 1 Eastern on every Locked on College YouTube channel previewing all the games of the weekend. Go check that out uh, wherever you get your podcast. You don't want to miss it. All right, Marlo, let's get into turning the page and looking ahead to some of the games this weekend in the SEC. And look, it's still cupcake week for a lot of teams around the conference, but some games of interest, and I want to start with this one. It is a 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern game on the ACC Network, which I'm not even sure I have. i got to go check it out. It's 2-0 Vanderbilt, 2-0 against 1-0 Wake Forest, Wake is a 10-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Um, can Vandy hang? A ton. They lost a ton. Um, I think Vandy can hang. Like, now, listen, you got to have a better effort than you put up against Hawaii and obviously Alabama A&M, but that 10-and-a-half is kind of juicy. I like that. Um, I mean, Wake, I, what were the numbers in their first game? I, I know they put up like, a decent amount of points, but it wasn't like they blew the doors off that team like for, for 60 straight minutes. Um, and, again, you're, you're breaking in a lot of new – New pieces. Here's the thing I'll say about Vandy. We're not that far removed from from games where they've gone to like Notre Dame and and kept it within one score there or, or less than ten points. Like, I, I think that maybe this is the bias kicking in with the SEC. But Vandy is a team that is built like a, trying to have an identity that's a little bit tougher than than we give them credit for because that's what Clark Lee's trying to instill there. I would take I would take Vandy plus ten and a half. I, there's this weird incestuous thing happening around the SEC where they're like passing, they're passing off the cupcakes from a week ago. Kentucky beats up on Ball State week one. Now Georgia, it's your turn. You get Ball State. So I'm, yeah. we'll skip through some of those because there's not even lines on some of those. Although there is one on that one. It's Georgia minus forty two against Ball State. When you get into the forties, man, that's that's when I start leaning Ball State plus the points. I'm not going to touch it because, because I mean, they, they dude, Georgia was a 50 point favorite this weekend and like, you know, looked not great in the first half and won by 41. I, I don't, I, I, there's no, yeah. If you're betting on anything that's in the forties, I, I think that's, where's the joy in that? <laughs> it's like, like where, where's the joy in that? Cause you're, you're not pulling in like that. That just sucks. Like you're, you're talking about like, like white knuckled grip edge of your seat trying to trying to cover a spread in the third and fourth quarters with like fourth string freshmen in the game and yeah. like hoping nothing goes wrong. Yeah, like uh Muse the 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 Georgia walk on. Like it, yeah. it's just there's so many of those kind of stories where it's like I don't even want to deal with that. Um, you know, other ones like Grambling is at LSU. That's a get right game for LSU. We expect them yeah. to handle well, up you on never them. Know. Well, you know, hey, if they play like they did a week ago, uh, Kentucky gets Eastern Washington. Again, no line on that one. Kudos to Mark Stoops, though. That schedule is like cupcake, 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 then add Vandy to start SEC play. Like, 
kudos I, to Kentucky. It, I kept saying this in the offseason. Like, like, that's one of the reasons I'm sold on Mandy is like they've improved at a lot of positions over last year. They get Cohen back. But if you look at that schedule, they've got a K on their helmet instead of a G. It's just a different <laughs> consonant. Like it's just you know what I mean. Like yeah, that's it, it, anyway. All right, a few more of the uh, the cupcakes. Just to, just mentioning them to get them out of the way. Austin P. They go to Tennessee. There's no line on that one. Um, McNeese goes to Florida. There's no line on that one. They'll they'll get right. Furman goes to South Carolina. Pretty sure South Carolina's not going to give up nine sacks in that one. Uh, let's get Tunic to Sun plays for Furman. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, Kent State is at Arkansas. I'm only bringing this one up because Kent State is a 38 point underdog. Arkansas looked good against Western Carolina, but Kent State's that school that gave uh, Georgia some problems a year ago. But Kent State's head coach, which I just learned this after the game was over, so it's not like I'm I'm like trying to drop a bunch of knowledge on you because I didn't know any of it. <laughs> Kent State, Kent State's head coach that was the one that orchestrating that last year, he is now the OC at um at Colorado. So I get I, I see what you're saying as well, but um I wouldn't I again probably wouldn't touch that. I mean thirty like because here's the thing too, there's so many question marks about some of those teams like. Are they going to be? I mean, Pittman was really good against the spread going into last season. He was sixteen and six before this year, um, or before last year. I don't I mean thirty-eight points. I don't know if they cover that because because your main thing is getting KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders out of the game as early as possible. Right. And uh, and and look, Rocket didn't have a lot of yards last week either. It was kind of funny. All the hype of him and Quinshawn, they both looked okay at a couple touchdowns, yeah. but it wasn't like either had a hundred yard day or anything like that. Um, Middle Tennessee is at Missouri. Again, Middle Tennessee, a, game, a team that uh, we saw a week ago against an SEC foe. But Missouri, only 20-and-a-half-point favorites. We heard Eli say earlier this week that they're sticking with Brady Cook. He's the guy. Mm-hmm. Still don't know if Brady Cook's any good of, as an SEC quarterback. But that one's an interesting one because, you know, Missouri, the 20-and-a-half, so, like, that's, that's coverable for Middle, Middle Tennessee. Yeah, it's also coverable for Missouri, though. Like, the thing with Brady Cook is – now, granted, whoever they played in week one, there were times when it, the defense looked fantastic. There were times when the offense kind of sputtered, and you're like, anytime it's directional and a state, <laughs> like if, if you if you have if you have a direction, of the, of like the school is sandwiched in between the direction and state at the end of it, that's a problem. <laughs> so, like when you talk about what they what they did, they should have been better. Um, I, I think on offense, but like he he's good at like being efficient at times of the offense. We saw it last year against Arkansas. He was really good. He's really good with his legs. But like pushing the ball downfield, he just does not do. And I don't even know if that's what their offense is trying to do because you have Luther Burden, which, which you see a lot of his stuff, I feel like it's either like screens or behind the line of scrimmage type stuff and like trying to get the ball in his hands um, so he can create something, but not something where it's like, hey, let's go put this guy on a fly route or go route and, and just see what he can do. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, the ceiling is is you're putting a ceiling over your 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 uh, season either way if you have Horn come in who looked not great the freshman um, so yeah you got to run with Cook but I I think Missouri will cover him that defense is good. Let's uh, get into a few more here before we get into some of the bigger ones this week. Uh, Arizona at Mississippi State that's an intriguing one because you know uh, Mississippi State went there a year ago. Uh, obviously Mike Leach who was the head coach at the time had familiarity with the Pac-12 but. Uh, now it's Zach Arnett and Arizona. They beat up on Northern Arizona last week, so we didn't find out a lot about them. But Mississippi State, a nine-point home favorite over Arizona. Nine points. Where are you leaning? I I wouldn't touch this game <laughs> at all. Like, it, it, it could be. I, I, I told this to somebody earlier. This is like 
the best inner city JV county championship imaginable. Like it's two evenly matched teams, I guess. But it's also like I'm not betting on this, and I'm not going to take it seriously. To be honest. like, you know what I mean? Like I don't like it. It's just I don't know. Like there's there's talent on both sides, and it'll be fun. You're going to see some explosive plays, but it's like again, it's like I don't. It's hard. It's hard to sell me on like like Mississippi State's going to blow out this team for one. Arizona was terrible last year. Terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. There's no part of this game does anything <laughs> for me at all. Like I, I, I don't even, it's like Harry Potter movies. Like maybe it's for some people, but it's not for me. All right. Hang tight there, Marler. We're, we're going to hit on the four biggest games in the conference coming up in and Harry Potter. In, yeah. We'll hit on all that in just a sec. But first, I want to remind you guys, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at the game time app. Look, Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easiest way for you to buy tickets for all your sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They got killer deals on last-minute tickets. If you're one of those people that likes to hang around in the uh, tailgate spot to the last minute, the Game Time app is going to be your best friend because they have their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you're going to have. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy. That's the best part, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Is there a big pole in my way? Game Time's going to let you know what your seat looks like. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Go download the Game Time app today, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. That's going to get you $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code, locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And jumping back into it with our buddy Chris Marler. And, uh, Marler, we got four pretty good games in the SEC this weekend. First, let's start with an afternoon affair. It is Ole Miss Number 20 Ole Miss at number 24 Tulane. we got two ranked teams in this one. And Ole Miss, look, they put up 70 on Mercer. It is what it is. But Ole Miss with a nice dominant win over South Alabama in week one. It was the battle of the home of Mardi Gras. I don't know if you heard. New Orleans won. Mobile, sorry. New Orleans owns it now. But Ole Miss just a seven-and-a-half point favorite. Michael Pratt, quarterback at Tulane, pretty good. Like, this could be a shootout. Real quick on the Mardi Gras helmet thing. Can we just tone it down a notch with all of the stickers we're putting on here? Like South Alabama's stick, like their helmet last week was like the back of like a a Subaru Outback. Like it was just like <laughs> I get it. I get like I think I compared it to like it was like a Nalgene bottle from like a like a Young Life leader. Like it was just there's so many stickers for no reason at all on this damn helmet. Um, I, I love this line. I think the line was like minus six for Ole Miss. I would jump all over Ole Miss, um, especially early. Like you talk about like what. Tulane did last year against uh, USC. It's a huge win, but you gave up a ton of points, and you're going up against a offense that also is able to put up a ton of points, um, and especially early in, in games. Like we saw this last year, uh, the kind of the blueprint for what Kiffin does, especially in these early non-con games, is you know they went to Tech last year, and you get you get like a little bit of a taste of at least being on the road against a that's a Power Five team. This is not, but they're probably still better in Tech. Uh, I love the way he's built that schedule where it's like you're kind of getting – you're dipping your, your your toe in the deep end, right, of, of, of being challenged. So 
I still think Ole Miss wins. The six points feels like a disservice to to Kiffin. I would be shocked if they're if it's that close. See, I just think playing at Yulman Stadium, it's a small stadium, but to, those Tulane fans they know how to they know how to drink just like the Rebel fans do at the Grove. I mean, it's it's not exactly the Grove, but I think they're going to bring it. I think they're going to be loud, and I just wonder if they can slow down the run game at all for for Ole Miss. Force Jackson Dart does yeah. he resort back to old Jackson Dart with interceptions? So. I don't know. I'm again. I I I've been intrigued by this game for weeks. I'm not going to call for the two lane upset, but would not shock me if they find themselves yeah. in a game late in the fourth quarter. All right. Uh, the next one. It is the afternoon ABC game. Huge game for Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher. Number twenty three A and M going at Miami. They're only four and a half point road favorites. Marler A and M looked great in week one, but that's dropped. Man, four and a half. I tell you what, my favorite part about this is going to be the battle of the 12th man. And when I say the battle of the 12th man, I mean, like, you know, like the 12th man at A&M and then like the literal 12th man to walk into that stadium for for Miami and, and watch this game. Um, this is like lock of the week, man. A&M Moneyline, lock of the week. Wow. They, like A&M, listen, I, I just, I, I'm a big believer in A&M because of the dudes they have on that team. I'm not a big believer in Miami. Um, they sure they looked better, but they, <laughs> maybe it's just the fact that you don't tell me when the picture's coming, so it's just like, it's just like blistered up there in my face. Um, no, I, I think that uh, I think that they're gonna go. On, they're gonna go on the road, and this is a team that I think has a chip on their shoulder too, which is always dangerous for an SEC team. They're favored, right? Like, which is you know, being a road favorite, there's always a lot to be said for being a home dog. Um, I still think A&M is the much better team. I think they're better coached, which is probably not saying that much. Like, like Cristobal in big games, like, what is he, what's he won? Yeah, and the other, like, I don't want to go as far as to say it's must win for A&M, but imagine if they lose this yeah. this early. Like, we're, we're bringing back Jimbo buyout talk. We're talking, does, you know, was the Petrino hire a mistake? Like, all that's oh, yeah. coming if they lose this. So, you're you're right. I mean, I, I almost start to think this this point total, yeah, A and M money line all the way feels like the way to go. Um, how about the late night one? This is nine thirty Central, ten thirty Eastern. You're on the East yeah. Coast, so this one sucks. Auburn at Cal uh, again. Hey, the Hugh Freeze offense looked pretty good. Peyton Thorne took him a little while to get going through a touchdown mm-hmm. to Jay Fair, but how about Red Zone Robbie? Not one, not two, but three touchdowns for Robbie Asher. I've been saying all off season he's going to play yeah. a role, and he did. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, it was good to see that kid. There's not a player maybe in the conference that, like, he didn't win the starting job, and he probably didn't deserve to, right? Like, I don't think it was like anything against him. He just didn't play well enough to win it. But man, that kid got you through the whole season last year and went through all. He took all the lumps, right? Like that. And so, hats off to this kid for for sticking through it or sticking to it, um, and and kind of trusting in whatever process they've got going on them down there that he's going to play. And then and then when he gets his chance. You know, making the most of it. I thought that was really impressive. Um, sleepy, not just because it's so late, but sleepy, sleepy game. Have you ever been to Cal Stadium? No. Buddy, you want to talk about just one of the most lackluster experiences you'll ever have in your life. <laughs> like, it is nestled away in this, like, weirdest campus ever because it's, like, it's just, like, normal streets. And you're up here in Berkeley. And I remember we went there a couple of years ago. And it's cool on the outside. The outside, they've, they've done all this renovations, and it looks really, really nice. And then you walk in, and it's Cal, so football doesn't matter, so anybody can just walk in. And it's like across the bay from the Golden Gate Bridge, 
There's not, they're not going to fill that stadium up unless it's full of Auburn fans. But that's a late kick. You got like the running back that Cal has is is better than people think. The offense is is a little bit better than people think. They came on a little bit late last year at times. Um, I, you got to think it's Auburn, right? Like, I, like you got to think they're going to cover this. This is yet another game. It's like I think less than a touchdown spread on the road for an SEC team. Yeah. Um, but a huge opportunity for a few frees, which they, Auburn has a better roster than them. But what scares me is that run defense, which struggled at times against UMass, that run defense against this running back, uh, you know, group of here at Cal, I, I, don't, I don't like that matchup. Yeah, like we said, Auburn, a uh, six-and-a-half-point road favorite. And uh, Ott, Jaden Ott was the guy, 188 yeah. yards last week against – it was North Texas, who's not any good, but – Again, um, that's what Auburn is going to be going up against. So good early test for Hugh Freeze and company. All right, let's get to the moment of truth. The game of the week, not just in the SEC, but in the entire country. It's number 11 Texas and Steve Sarkeesian heading into Bryant-Denny Stadium with their red strobe lights and their Dixieland oh. delight. It is number three Alabama. You will be there. The Tide, seven-point home favorites. How are we feeling? So I, a couple weeks back, and all off season, I was very big on Texas plus ten points. To be honest, like or Texas to cover ten points. Um, I that's last year's graphic, by the way. If you're looking on video, I know that our old coworker Danny DeVito made that graphic. Oh, really? That's a, that's a fun fact. His name is Danny DeVito, and it's it, he is not him. But um, <laughs> anyway, no, I think so. Like. I said this all offseason last year. That game was going to be very, very close, and no one, no one listened. And it was going to be like I thought it was going to be a one-score game. Um, I get that that Saban has a tremendous record against assistants, right? But kind of peel that back a little bit. Some of these later, or some of these games over the past few years against assistants have been a lot closer than it's not just him blowing people out like he's done in the past, right? He had the loss to Georgia, obviously. He played very close last year against. Uh, Ole Miss, you, you played very close against against Texas A&M even last year um, at home and obviously lost them the year before. Sark is very familiar with them. They looked great last year, and the Texas defense kept Bama in check last year, right? Um, does Quinn Ewers stay healthy? It's kind of like, you know, a tradition unlike any other, a Texas quarterback going down against Alabama apparently. <laughs> um, you hope everyone stays healthy, but Texas just has so many dudes, and I, I'm just not buying into the fact that last week against Rice is what this team is going to be. Because I think that Rice was like, you know, like an appetizer you don't even want. Like, just like bring on the ribeye. Like, they've been preparing for this game probably all offseason. And, like, and listen, I think Bama is a very good football team. But they're going to see some stuff on Saturday that they're not going to see the rest of the year. Like, they're not going to see it against Ole Miss. They're not going to see it against even if they play Georgia in the championship game or, or LSU or anything like that. They're going to throw some stuff at, at Alabama that, that in wrinkles with Sark's offense that, that I'm sure he's got in these back pages of that playbook. That no one has seen, and I don't know how that secondary reacts to it. And I and I don't know. Here's the here's the thing for me. I fully expect in the first quarter when Sark's on on script, they are going to score first. Texas is going to get the ball. They're going to be up seven zero. I I feel like you're going to look at the end of the first quarter, and it's going to have a feel kind of like the Tennessee game last year, where it's like, oh shit, they're down. Sorry, excuse my language. They're down fourteen three, or they're down like ten points early on. And now they got to climb out of this hole. And I think the defense might be good enough to get, you know, stop the bleeding later. And they're not going to give up scores on every drive. But do they have the offense to, to score with them throughout the entire game? That I don't know. Yeah, and and that's the difference. I think is there's no Bryce Young this time around. Like, and let's say Jalen Milrow could be good, but like first 
mess up, first turnover, fumble yeah. or interception, that could be what cost them the game. And so, you well, know. Remember last year, he had he had three in that game where he had like fumbles and, and looked not great against A&M. And it was like one of those things where it's like he made the first one and then it kind of became like, you know, you clinch up a little bit and you don't know like, like what's coming next. I, I just, I think they're both two really good teams. I just think Texas wins that game. I, 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 I would take the money line. On the flip side, though, this could be the arrival moment for Milrow. We saw him look again, look good against Middle Tennessee. Yeah. This could be he plays like he did last week. We're going, oh my God! Not only is he Alabama's quarterback through and through, he's now a Heisman contender with a huge win over a, a top eleven ranked Texas team. So again, this thing could go either way. The good news for Bama is even if they lose. Everything they want to play for is still ahead of them. Yeah. It, the The margin for error is gone, much like LSU. Right. But like, you beat LSU later down the road. You beat A and M. You beat Ole Miss. Like, you'll be in the driver's seat for the SEC West and all that kind of stuff. So, still everything to play. But you just don't want to lose this early season. So, you're going Texas officially. I am. Yeah. All right. I'll take Bama. They're at home. And oh, uh, I love the way you said it. You know, so much disdain in that's your voice. That's how they do. They just they just <laughs> win. It's, it's what they do there. He is Chris Marler from the Saturday Football on the Censored podcast. Let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, I mean, so no, because I'm just, it's been a tough week on social media already. <laughs> um, but, you know, so it's Saturday Football on Censored podcast. We have new episodes uh, every Wednesday night, Thursday morning, basically. Uh, that is one episode. And then we have a live episode every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Um, so check that out. It's all over on every Saturday Down South platform. And then Vern Funquist on Twitter and Instagram. So. Yeah, if you want terrible takes on college football, that is the place to find it. He is Chris okay, Barthol. That's so rude to even say. I've been, I, listen, I, I told you what was going to happen with that LSU Florida State game. You I'm, to listen. I'm joking. He's a great follow. Give him a follow at Vern Funquist. No E in there. Uh, he is Chris Marler. We'll do it again next week, all right? Sounds good, brother. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Come back tomorrow. We'll be deep diving a little bit more into SEC Week 2. Join us tomorrow.